You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss Widows, which came out in 2018 and was directed by Steve McQueen. Something happened tonight, something bad. Our husbands aren't coming back. We're on our own. They stole a lot of money. And now people want it from us. Now the best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. Who are we when this world got you down on your knees? If this whole thing goes wrong, I want my kids to know that I didn't just sit there and take it. I did something. In this city, you reap what you sow. Let's hope so. It stars Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Erivo, Colin Farrell, Liam Neeson, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, Carrie Coon, and Robert Duvall. The genre would be heist thriller slash crime drama. This was definitely among my most anticipated films of 2018, and it did not disappoint. Rewatching it a couple of years later, I'm glad to say that it still holds up and seems to have gotten even better. Who would have thought that director Steve McQueen, after giving us two great but very audience-challenging films like 12 Years a Slave and Shame, had it in him to craft a film that was so accessible? Well, for him at least. This film has some challenging aspects as well, but I consider it in the great tradition of sprawling crime dramas along the lines of Heat or To Live and Die in L.A. And you can be sure that I will review both of these films at some point. As our main protagonist, Veronica... Oscar winner Viola Davis delivers again as we watch this woman go through various stages of grief resulting from the death of her husband, which kicks off the movie. Her late husband, Harry, is played by Liam Neeson, who dies violently along with three other partners in the middle of a botched heist. He was a master thief, and the one thing he leaves her is a notebook including detailed plans for a massive heist that he hopes to do at some point, which she then plans to take on alongside at least two of the widows of his partners who also just died. The other titular widows are played by Michelle Rodriguez and Elizabeth Debicki. Now, none of these women are trained thieves, mind you, but they each find themselves in a desperate situation, owing large amounts of money to a local criminal who their late husbands also owed money to. How do you go to a car auction and get a car and you don't know how to drive? No, they just gave it to you right there. I can't think of everything. When I assigned you a task, you're supposed to complete that task. You were meant to drive. We're already one person down. Now I have to ask Bash. Who's Bash? Harry's driver. Well, can we trust him? Well, we have to know. Why don't you ask Linda? Because there is a plan. Just shut up. How much you pay for it? Six thousand. The point of an auction is to spend less than what you came with. It was a good deal. Don't your dog shit in my lap. She's house trained. And the less said about this heist and how others are involved, the better. 
but let's just say that it has its share of twists and turns that I didn't expect upon first viewing. And it all centers around Veronica and her late husband. What results is a very tricky and deceptively quiet performance from Davis, which I would say is among her best. She's basically playing a ringleader who's really not cut out to be a ringleader. She's going through the whole gamut of emotions, but doesn't have a choice but to present herself as cold and brusque to anyone around her to get through this. Our go date is in three days, the night of the debate. Now, all of our work is worth nothing if we don't move this money in fast. The notebook says $5 million. That's exactly the amount of money Mulligan was accused of taking in commission kickbacks. So over here, we have $2 million, 20 Tupperware boxes. Each box has $100,000 in $100 bills. It weighs 44 pounds. Now, over here, we have $2 million, 40 Tupperware boxes. Each box has $50,000 in $50 bills. It weighs 88 pounds. I feel like I'm in school. Tell me about it. We got to start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not going to be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. And performances across the board are fantastic. It's really gratifying to see Michelle Rodriguez given the opportunity to do more than just sneer and drive for a change. She really does an effective job of portraying a woman who is clearly in over her head, but also kind of nervously relishing the opportunity to take more control of things in her life. And the same with Elizabeth Debicki, who also shines in the very unique role of basically a widowed trophy wife who finds that she actually has a hidden gift for crime. Robert Duvall almost feels like he's in a different movie, but that seems to kind of be the point. He's the last gasp of the old guard shouting above his lungs to keep things the way he wants them to be. This is also acknowledged in some very nice interactions with Colin Farrell, who plays his son, doing, I think, a Chicago accent, but it kind of sounds more like a Boston accent, no matter. You think you're going to make things better, they're not going to be any better. You think you're going to change things, change them to what? You're not going to change anything. They'll never change under you. The only thing that matters is that we survive. That's all. Look around you, it's like Custer's last stand is kill or be killed. Now listen to me, son. Listen, we made this city. We're not having it taken away from us by people who come here illegally or by people who can't stop, you know, making babies. And that means staying in power. At all costs. You got that? Yeah. Listen to me, Father. I'm looking forward to the day when all this bullshit is over. And I don't have to talk to people like you. You know, because... Because you won't be here anymore. Other standouts include recent Oscar winner Daniel Kaluuya, who excels at playing a menacing thug right out of a Scorsese movie, but quieter, and Brian Tyree Henry, who plays his brother running for alderman who has his share of criminal skeletons in his closet. He, of course, is running against Colin Farrell's character, who also has his as well. The story is always compelling and certainly keeps you on your toes. The action is also shot elegantly, especially in opening car chase, which on paper could come off as something out of a Fast and Furious film, but you buy everything that's going on because of the perspective used and the sound design. Also, there is fantastic use of Chicago locations many from the South and West Side, which I did recognize. And McQueen and director of photography Sean Bobbitt consistently find inventive ways to display different parts of the city, and they never resort to the typical landmark shots we've now seen in dozens of other films taking place in Chicago. As you might expect from a movie called Widows and all that entails, 
meaning it could be about death or mourning, this film packs quite an emotional punch towards the end, more than I could have expected. And when we finally see the actual heist, the planning of which drives the story for the most part, it's nothing flashy, but it's still very memorable. If nothing else, it provides us with the opportunity to see Cynthia Erivo, whose character also joins the heist team, sprinting furiously whenever the situation calls for it. She's really great in this. Let's get her some action movies already. Overall, this is just a sprawling, compelling crime drama, which deserves a place at the table with some of the other great ones. And that brings us to the categories. The first category is Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. And that brings us to composer Hans Zimmer. He's one of my favorites, and he did the music for this, and like his Oscar-nominated score for McQueen's previous film, 12 Years a Slave, it's a pretty minimalist score overall and doesn't often call attention to itself. But it provides some emotional punch at just the right moments, especially during a flashback scene more than halfway through, which provides the reveal of a very tragic event in Veronica's life. This particular selection on the soundtrack is called Marcus, and it's made up of relatively subtle orchestration with one repeating theme that just gets me every time I hear it. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Yep, I'm going to take this category in the same direction as I did for Warrior a couple weeks ago. Top to bottom, this film had a fantastic array of talent working in front of and behind the camera. As far as I'm concerned, nobody was wasted, and everyone delivered the job they were paid to do. This film was also aggressively marketed for several months leading up to its release, and with a pretty catchy ad campaign, including a nice moody trailer. I mean, I know that I was at least super pumped to see it upon release in theaters, and it had a decent budget of about $45 million, so I really can't fault the studio or its marketing department. So here's the thing. Why did this only make about $75 million worldwide? Now, that's not a bad haul for a moody crime drama, but come on. I hear folks complaining all the time. Why aren't there more original films for adults that aren't sequels, remakes, or based on comic books? I'll tell you why. Because you, we, us, the proverbial general audience... We didn't show up for this movie, that's why. Widows literally checks off all the boxes for the kind of film that most film lovers like myself are always asking for. Diverse cast, adult themes, top-flight movie stars, handsome production, it received strong reviews and a wide release. Most importantly, no excess of CGI or post-credit scenes or spandex superhero suits, all that stuff. Bottom line, we need to support more movies like this when they are released in theaters. Otherwise, everyone involved with films like this are just wasted talent. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes the movie. If you're looking to sell to somebody, you want to show them this. Now, roughly 35 minutes into this movie, there's a sequence which doesn't actually feature any of our main protagonists, but is filmed so brilliantly that it deserves special recognition. Through just one tracking shot and about three minutes of screen time, McQueen and his DP, Sean Bobbitt, They provide us with a better visual representation 
of the socioeconomic divide in large cities like Chicago than you would see in hours and hours of news segments. Farrell's character is running for alderman, and the camera follows the front of a luxury car driving him from a sparsely attended rally of his within a poor neighborhood, barely a few blocks until it pulls up at his three-story luxury home covered with ivy and surrounded by security gates. Now, the only thing we see during the sequence is the front of this car and the surrounding neighborhood. And while we are watching the car take this relatively short drive, we just overhear a loud argument between Farrell and his character's girlfriend slash assistant, who has had it with his complaints about living in and serving the city. It's a very pointed scene with a purpose, and while it's not subtle, it serves both the story and the themes of this film in a very economic manner. Honestly, describing it via podcast or even providing an audio clip doesn't really do this scene justice. You just have to see it for yourself. We're in a situation where you could lose everything. You've got the IG's office and the feds breathing down your neck. You got Jamal Manning climbing in the pools, and, and all you're concerned with is whether or not your dick is bigger than his. What are we fighting for? This? I mean, you know how many shootings happened in this city last weekend alone? 34! These people are killing each other. This is not where I want to raise my children. What are we fighting for exactly? I feel suffocated. I'm not, I'm not a mulligan. I'm my mother's son. God rest her soul. The shit she had to put up with from my father? I'm putting up with it too. That's what adults do, Jack. I never wanted to be in this fucking business, and that's all this is. It's a fucking business. Christ, I just, I just want to be free of this shit. Wake the fuck up, Jack. You are not going to pussy out now. What are you going to do? Work in a bank? Take the train downtown? Punch a clock? This is your life. This is our life. It's what we do. Everyone has a fucking sob story, most of them better than yours. So if the idea is to be mayor one day, you'd better man the fuck up. And that brings me to the final category, which would be the MVP. The person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Gillian Flynn, who was the writer of Gone Girl, also wrote the screenplay for this. She adapted this from a British miniseries, and considering that she was tasked with adapting such a sprawling tale, featuring more than a dozen major characters into a satisfying and cohesive 130-minute movie, she did a masterful job here. This is the definition of a sprawling crime epic along the lines of A Departed or The Godfather, and yet the story stays very grounded at the character level, with some memorable set pieces, and no shortage of clever dialogue. This is no small feat. Now, this is not taking away anything from Steve McQueen, who directs this film beautifully, with as much craft as his previous films. But a film of this type, with so many working pieces, it only stands up with a strong screenplay as its foundation. And for that reason, Gillian Flynn is your MVP. Solved our problem. What's this? This is Belle. She's fast, she's smart, and she can drive. Come on, we can't do this, the three of us. We need a driver. This is not your place. Please ask her to leave. I'm standing here. You can talk to me. I don't know you. You don't have to. I'm happy to leave right now. Wait, we need a driver. Your girl's happy to split your cut? Split our cut? It's equal or nothing. You vouch for her? I don't require a vouch. We're gonna need another gun. I got my own. You need to watch how you talk to me. If you're in, we need to get you started right away. My overall rating for Widows would be four and a half stars out of five. This is truly one of the best films of recent years and criminally underseen. So you need to check it out. And it's streaming on FX Now and Fubo TV. By all means, see it. And that ends another precarious review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast 
and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Cinema.